Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. On episode 18 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, it's just a two-man skeleton crew as we discuss what went wrong at Bournemouth and how the team can rebound against Wimbledon. We finish up with some solid Twitter questions on all things West Ham. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome to the Green Street Hammers podcast. This is episode 18, a two-man edition. Uh, I am here, Adam Smith, as alongside site contributor for the Green Street Hammers, Jeremiah Carson. Jeremiah, how are you doing today? We're doing good, man. We're hanging in there after a uh, tough loss, but uh, exciting things to come. We're a little deflated, um, but motivated. We'll say that. Uh, we're not letting, uh, I believe Fabianski said it, we're not going to let one uh, bad loss dictate our momentum, so... Um, we're on the same path here. Let's keep it motivated. We'll have a good podcast. I uh, apologize for not getting this out or having really a regular recording schedule. We're trying to keep it to the weekends uh, or early in the week, which is we're recording this on a Tuesday uh, in Eastern Standard Time. It's actually at 420 right now. I don't want to make a weed joke, but there you go. Um, <laughs> but we're, we're looking to sort of get it going on the weekends again, just so you can have it at the beginning of the week and the news and information stays relevant between matches. So um, this will likely get get uh, posted live on Wednesday morning, the 23rd of January. So thank you for listening if you are. Um, we appreciate it. We got a lot of feedback on our on our uh, Twitter account for questions for this episode. So we appreciate that from myself and Jeremiah and everyone else here. Uh, and something I would like to uh, point out to our listeners uh, and something that I, I think Scott Johnson deserves a lot of credit for. So Scott is uh, the original uh, site expert at Green Street Hammers. Uh, he is stationed right now in Melbourne for uh, oh, that's where he's that's where he's living right now. So uh, he he is not with us just based on work schedules and whatnot. So he uh, retweeted and responded to uh, a fake story from Hammers Chad Jeremiah. I don't know if you're familiar with that post or not. Uh, I saw it. Yeah. yeah, that basically said West Ham were recalling Jordan Hugel to replace uh, Javier Hernandez, who would be let go uh, to the to La Liga on a transfer this window. And we're all chomping at the bit for for a little bit of uh, excitement in this transfer window. And I don't think uh, I don't think Scott's any different than any of us here. So he hand up got uh, got caught up in a fake transfer rumor, which. They're out there. Hammers chat. Uh, they're they're more visible than anybody in the West Ham world on uh, on Twitter. So, um, with so many so many moving parts to, to what their site does, who knows? Maybe they got an ITK that, that messaged them, giving them a little background mm-hmm. information. It could have been true. Um, so, to, to Scott's credit, he has left the tweet up, and uh, this happened. I think 25 hours ago now, and we are by the minute getting Twitter updates saying, just a wind up, man, nothing to get worried about, no worries there, like, come (laughs) on, you didn't think this was fake, like, all all these people commenting, to which, now I say to them, what, did you lose your phone for the last day? Like, this is old news now, everyone got the jabs in right away, but 
credit to Scott. He has kept the tweet up. Um, I didn't want to jump in on that in any sort of sense, but um, that's our that's our starting disclaimer there. It it didn't seem unbelievable, but I I just see when I think of two strikers and Jeremiah. Let me know your thoughts on this. If you're if you are looking at Manuel Pellegrini and he's starting a lineup, do you see him as the manager who would who would want Javier Hernandez up top or would want Jordan Hugel? Well, I, you know, obviously the obvious answer to that is he wants Chicha up top. And uh, and like you said, Scott's the OG. All credit to him. I can remember when I got on Twitter. I think I joined Twitter back in like 2000 and, I don't know, 12 maybe. And I, I feel like every single tweet that ever came out, I was like, I was jumping on it. Like, oh, yeah, man, this is this is legit. This transfer is going to happen. Uh, so I get it. I think we've all fallen for him. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I think uh, – I mean, I laughed at first because I was like, yeah, man, Hugo is my boy. I was talking about him all last week. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you got to shout it on but, the West Ham Way podcast uh, asking about him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, for real, like, you know, we all get caught up in it. But, yeah, I don't see a a manager like Manuel Pellegrini saying, yeah, I think uh, Jordan Hugo, you're going to – we're going to put you in over Javier Hernandez or Arnautovic or anybody else. Yeah, and and if he was here with the team, for sure, he'd be getting a run out, but um, he's not, and I don't think he's worth a, a recall um, to fit Pellegrini's style. That being said, he's a big physical guy who chases down the ball, so who knows. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'll offer a story that I'm not necessarily proud of uh, when it comes to Twitter news, and it was Twitter news I tried to break myself. Um, Lanzini last season, at the end of, la- uh, at the end of last season, Maybe the season before, he was posting um, some pictures on Instagram of his on his story actually of him in a in a white training kit with some uh, turquoise or claret and uh, claret and blue lines all over them, and it mm-hmm. looked something I'd never seen before. So I took screenshots and posted it, tagging like X, tagging everyone. You know, is this the third kit that hasn't been confirmed yet? You know, going off and all caps and exclamation marks and X just replied and said, LOL, no mate. That's the training kit they've been in all year. And then the, <laughs> because he replied to it, which yeah, there was no, I'm sure he had a laugh when he wrote, he saw it, but there, there was no negative um, sway to what he was saying, but all the, all the messages roll in because of the visibility he gave it. And basically it was like moron, idiot. What kind of fan are you? Plastic, get a kit, like all this stuff. I'm like, Oh, come on. I, yeah. I, I'm, I have more or more, or less, I don't know, more pride, but I'm less thick skinned than Scott. So I just deleted the tweet. So, uh, <laughs> I, I quickly sunk into the background there. Um, But anyways, we're not here to talk about our most embarrassing moments. We're here to talk about West Ham. And um, I don't want to say that there's a shortage of things to talk about, but there's a shortage of fun things to talk about. And basically, that leads us to our match review. 2-0 to Bournemouth. Um, Jeremiah, in a word, how would you describe this match? Disappointing. Disappointing? One word, disappointing. Yeah. I I, I can't disagree with that. I would say um, boring. Mm. There's just they there was nothing really going on on it here. Let me let me break down the stats for you here, and, and maybe we'll jump in that way. Um, so two nothing uh, was the score. Fifty third minute goal from Callum Wilson, terrific goal. Joshua King got one as the game was ending. As West Ham had I think six forwards on the pitch, and this team stats shots ten for Bournemouth with four on target. West Ham had nine with one on target. 
Possession heavily favored West Ham, 62% to 38. Passes, West Ham had 582. Bournemouth had 359. And the accuracy, West Ham was at 83%, with Bournemouth at only 76%. West Ham committed 10 fouls to Bournemouth 6, had one yellow card to zero. Um, Offsides, Bournemouth was caught four times, West Ham three. In corners, West Ham had three, and Bournemouth had two. Um, Let's jump into the stats here a little bit. Early going in this in this match, there wasn't actually a lot of the ball for West Ham to sort of get their feet on. Um, Bournemouth held up play pretty well, but that quickly turned. And I mean, they're they're a quick team, right? They kind of attack through the counter attack with their with their fast forwards and, and wingers or wide midfielders. So, um, has West Ham really adjusted to playing matches with this with more possession? I, I, they never used to, but do you think they're getting used to it, or is it still something they don't really know what to do with? I think it's a work in progress, honestly. I mean, you have a new manager in, and even though we're already past the new year, you know, he's still new to a lot of their schemes. I mean, most of this team is, is was there last year, or the majority of this team was there last year, had been there for a couple of years, where you're right, we weren't used to having a lot of possession, playing possession balls. So I think it, I think it's going to take anybody a little while to get used to that. Uh, I'll be, I was surprised, though, kind of how you said at the very beginning, we really just didn't have a lot of control of it i mean bournemouth did a good job and they are quick you know once they had with both goals once they had like an opening and they were off so um but yeah to answer your question i think i think they're just taking a while to get kind of used to it because it's from what the last at least four or five maybe six years a completely different style of offense and defense for that matter yeah and, and something i do want to bring up as well when it comes to the possession numbers and whatnot they they took control of the game at the beginning, like we had both said, but uh, that quickly switched, and it, it goes uh, on the shoulders of Declan Rice, I believe, because uh, he sort of took over that role of, okay, I'm jumping in, I'm taking the ball, I'm shutting things down, I'm sticking a foot in, I'm getting my body in the way, whatever it is, and he actually works really well with his fullbacks. If Cresswell jumps up, which him and Felipe Anderson have looked terrific together down the left-hand side, I don't <laughs> think there's enough credit going out to, to Cresswell for his transformation back and, and he's playing well with Anderson and likewise Zabaleta on the right hand side with Antonio both players who like to get forward Rice is the first one to come back and, and sort of cut down the attacks going up the side and he's the main reason why they were restricted to counter-attacking play that happened up the wings rather than any sort of possession play that could could have happened in the middle of the pitch if you look at West Ham Samir Nasri I think he played well um, but he he basically could dictate passes and, and dictate play through the middle of the pitch because they Jefferson Lerma is a good player, but he's not at the level of Rice currently or ever. So um, it's just different different people there. But um, something I want to bring up is the the keepers. So they basically had two changes to their team, I believe, the one being Callum Wilson returning after them saying all week he wasn't going to, um, something you really appreciate about uh about like the the North American sports teams where basically you know going into the match who's going to be there and who's not. Um, right. But uh, their their keeper they changed up. Uh, Begovic, who has played for them the, for the majority of the past two seasons, uh, was out for Boric. And mm-hmm. uh, it was a battle of the Polish keepers. Boric won this round. But um, Begovic, I think he's the better keeper. Although last season in the in the rain he had that horrible swing and a miss on a kick and Arnautovic took the ball and put it in the back of the net um, yeah. and sort of laughed at him again there. But um, Boric he wasn't tested until Chicharito came on and he only had one shot on target, which is simply not good enough against the backup keeper. No, and, and 
you're right about Chicharito having the one shot on goal, but I mean, it was a pretty, for all, I guess, standards, it was a pretty simple shot. I mean, it had a little bit of a bounce to it, but it wasn't much. And I was definitely surprised to see, you know, the backup keeper in. And uh, I think all credit to him. He did what he had to do. We didn't give him a whole lot of, I mean, we really didn't give him a lot of opportunities at all to make saves. So he did. He was there. And, and I know we'll probably touch on the uh, Andy Carroll um, <laughs> extravagant miss, if you will. But uh, and he did everything he could in that opportunity. I mean, he was kind of left out the dry on that. And I, I thought he played solid. I was definitely, I was getting mad because I'm like, come on, we got the backup keeper in. Like, we got we to gotta take advantage of this. And it just didn't ever come no and and he also had a terrible giveaway which apparently he did in their fa cup matchup as well he he rolled the ball you know the ball it was a back pass to him and he kicked the ball flat right to chicharito um who had two forwards in front of him and he decided to play the ball he actually megged the defender and got the ball towards diangana but i think it was just too early in the match for when chicharito came in because he didn't have his sort of he wasn't in game flow yet so he just put too much on the ball and Boric came out and claimed it but that would have been Dean Ghana in on goal and it would have been a great way to celebrate celebrate rather his uh his first match after signing his new long-term deal um but let's get into the striker situation now so um Arnautovic was apparently told he wasn't coming uh on the on the game bus to Bournemouth and there's a lot of um misinformation out there or just lack of credible information and the first one is, did he go on strike? I wrote a piece on Green Street Hammers saying that uh, the player strike has happened. And it's basically that he is now for- trying to force a move through by restricting what he's doing uh, when it comes to team activities. Is that true or is it not? It I don't know. But if everything was fine, he would be playing for the team and he wasn't there. Uh, there's reports that Pellegrini said uh, he's not coming on the team bus. But there's also reports that Arnautovic said... After being shut down on his move away from the club, he is not in the right frame of mind to be playing for the team. So I don't know what to believe, who to believe, or whatever, because apparently we're signing every available and unavailable striker in the world today. So um, <laughs> there's too much information going around right now. But plain and simple, if everything was fine, Arnautovic would have been there with the team. What, what do you make of this whole player strike, no player strike? I don't know how to describe it anymore. I'm so, I think the word's confused. Uh, like you said, there's so many it's either right or wrong articles that are out there. There's, I mean, everybody's an ITK on Twitter. It seems like these days, and it's tough to really find like, you know, what's right and what's not right. I mean, um, I guess confusion on the part that, uh, you know, at first one initially comes out and you hear he's not on the bus to the Bournemouth game and, you know, he didn't want to, or he's striking, whatever the case is. Um, it's frustrating. You, you, you're mad. I mean, initially I'm very upset at what's going on. And then, kind of read more about i mean you hear reports of pellegrini like you said that pellegrini uh, wants to hope and hopes to keep him on the team but also doesn't want him to play if you know this other stuff's going on so it's just so back and forth I'm really just confused i wish i mean honestly I don't know, i'm sure it's too much to ask for but i would all, almost wish that someone would just come out and say hey either pellegrini either marco somebody come out and just say hey this is what's going on and we're moving forward or an apology or anything like that yeah, you just want some sort of clarity and, and actual real information, but I, I think there's too much going on behind the scenes right now. You and I were discussing this in our in our pre-show that we've all begged the club to step back from 
giving information out about transfers and whatnot. Don't go to bed, whatever, whatever, whatever. And right. then now that they've done that and we're all happy about it, we don't know anything that's going on at the club anymore. So we have to, <laughs> the reliance on ITKs is so heavy that we're desperate for any information and everyone can essentially become an ITK if they so choose. So um, let's jump into the striker thing. Striker thing, the striker conundrum, we'll call it. Um, Andy Carroll starts, and for me and for Jeff, as he had stated in our in, in the post match player ratings, uh, Pellegrini got the team all wrong, and I completely agree with that. Um, if you have a big man on the pitch, do you not need to sort of put? Well, not sort of. Do you not need to have your best crosser on the on the field, and that's Robert Snodgrass for West Ham? Certainly, yeah. I mean, we know that at least me and you, we love Andy Carroll, or we have in the past, um, and. He has one, really one game, and that's his head. And so, yeah, I think for the first time, like much like the article said, is you know he kind of had his first whiff or, or manager or managerial error, I guess if you will. Um, yeah, it was the wrong kind of style for Andy Carroll to be out there. And Antonio is not a bad crosser. He actually put the cross in that Andy Carroll did the bicycle kick on, which, mm-hmm. depending on how you look at it, probably was a bad cross because he had to turn around and then do an overhead kick to put it in the net. But um, he actually can get the ball in pretty well and he can support a striker. Um, For me, for this match, it would have been Nasri that got dropped and it would have been uh, a 4-4-2, Felipe Anderson on the left side, Snodgrass on the right, Declan and and Noble in the middle, and then have uh, Andy Carroll up top with Chicharito beside him. And basically, you give yourself a run out and, and have someone to clean up the mess, but you're just attacking through the air. Um, Anderson can put a great cross in. He's shown that before, and he's also a threat to shoot, so you have that double pull on on what he's going to do. Snodgrass, great with the ball, great on set pieces, great on corner kicks, which we really need on the pitch. Um, Diangon is also good at corners, so I'm happy to see him get on, but I don't know. It just seemed like a mishmash. To me, Antonio doesn't necessarily fit into that starting 11. Maybe he's uh, your guy at the end to sort of close out the game if you have a lead, but I don't. it just seemed like a miss. Um, that being said, it's not like I don't have faith in Pellegrini. I have total faith in him. I'm sure you do as well, right? Right, right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's just a matter of fighting your best 11. And presumably Pellegrini, up until the end of training on Friday, thought Arnautovic was going to be starting in this team for him. And that means Nazri's there, and that means that they're going to play it on the floor up the middle. So um, it's just a bad situation right now. Uh, it's almost like we need that Bundesliga winner break where we can sort of iron out our stuff. If there's issues, people get them taken care of in that time. You don't have the stress of added games on. And again, that being said, I would rather um, we not have football or not have no football for two weeks or whatever it is. So Mm -hmm. um, you take the good with the bad and and move on. And speaking of moving on, um, we don't really need to touch on the goals. Issa Diop made a great tackle on, on Callum Wilson. The ball just happened to deflect or sorry on King. The ball happened to deflect right to Callum Wilson who hit an awesome shot on the volley. It was fantastic. Oh, Fabianski didn't move. Ogbonna covered like 80% of what he could see of the net and still nothing. And uh, the second one was just an inevitable, you're trying to, to get back in the game and, and they cut you open with that that quick attack. And Joshua King is a thorn in the side for West Ham, but let's not dwell on the past. Let's look towards the future. And we're going to sort of highlight uh, our FA Cup fourth round match against Wimbledon here. Uh, a familiar a familiar foe, is it not, Jeremiah? It is, yeah. You know, we faced them what, uh, boy, at least like twenty weeks ago. Um, it was kind of a weird. I know I wrote about this, and this is completely random. So sorry, I'm going off on a tangent. <laughs> but we played uh, Bournemouth, and then Arsenal, and then them, and we kind of almost in a reverse sort of way are playing it again. So um, yeah, familiar foe. 
Um, I think much higher stakes in the FA Cup. Nothing against the League Cup or the Carabao Cup, but um, FA Cup is definitely uh, more of the prized possession. And uh, I think I think this game is coming at the right time. Yeah, I dis. I, I, sorry, I, I agree with that as well. It's it's going to be a good boost to the team. And actually, um, there's a piece that is coming out tomorrow from Green Street Hammers, but it's referencing the the uh, article and, and blog that Sam Ankersol put up from Football London uh, about the behind closed doors game that West Ham played in today, I believe. And it was against uh, Gillsbury, Gillysbury, something along those lines. And it was a, a Gillingham. I actually have it right in front of me here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gillingham. It. it uh, it was a 2-1 West Ham win. Uh, Nathan Holland got on the score sheet. Same with uh, uh, Ingram, I believe. And uh, the most important part to that was that Ryan Fredericks returned to action after three weeks out with an injury. Sorry, two months out with an injury. Uh, and Reese Oxford, who was out for three weeks. Different or important in different ways. And again, that article touched on it, so I won't jump into it there. But Ingersoll believes that uh, Sam, uh, sorry, that uh, Ryan Fredericks will be in the team for, or is at least in contention for the team for Saturday, which is awesome. That's exactly what we need, that kind of boost there. Um, if you're if you're Pellegrini, you know that this side is, I don't want to say good because they're sitting dead last in League One right now, but they are a team that, I don't know, like I... I don't even know what to describe them as. They scored two minutes into the game against us. That was on Adrian, who had an absolute mare of that game. But he, yeah, he, he, this team's just hard to nail down. I don't think you want to roll out your under-23 squad. You want to get some senior members of the team in there. But I don't know. Maybe we can try and pick our pick our lineups here to make it a little bit easier on ourselves. So in goal, you're probably giving this one to, to Adrian, I assume, right? Yeah, you got to give it to Adrian at least now, um, and you know he's kind of the cup keeper. I would wait. I would probably wait until we see after, after if and when we win this, um, to see who we play play next to see if he's going to start or not. But for now, yeah, he's still your cup keeper. I think if you get a if you get a Premier League team in this game, you don't start Adrian right. like you were saying. Um, but yeah, this should be one he can handle. Um, I've completely lost faith in him. I don't know what it is. He just doesn't have it anymore. So. Um, on to your, your right back. You have three options, Zabaleta, uh, Mikel Antonio, and Ryan Fredericks. Who gets your start, and what are your minutes, and who are you subbing on if you are? I think if Fredericks is healthy, he said he played today, um, then, yeah, you got to start him. You know, we signed him. We got him on the club. You know, things happen, got hurt, but he is good. He's young. He's got a lot of pace, and I think that he can do a lot of getting up and down on that right-hand side that we'll need. Um since he is coming back, maybe you only see him for the first half, and then maybe you bring Antonio in. If Zabaleta can rest, you know, give him the rest that he can get. I don't want to call him an old man, but uh, you know, the more rest <laughs> he can get, the better. I think at this point. Yeah, I, I agree, and I also think that if you bring Antonio, you have the option of putting him in at right back later in the game, and you also have the option of putting him in at a right winger and moving him to right back to close out the game, starting him at striker, moving him to right, whatever it is. There's a lot of options that come with him there. So I agree right. with that. Give give Fredericks a start and don't even put Zabaleta inside the lineup. Just let him have sort of a vacation, uh, a mini vacation anyways while he's training. At center back, uh, a couple decisions to make here. Um, do you start Issa Diop? Do you start Angelo Ogbonna? Do you start Reese Oxford? So I think you start uh, Diop for sure. We need some type of veteran or at least more experience from this season. Uh, 
I don't know if you start Albana though. I think I'm kind of hit and miss on Oxford. You know, uh, definitely liked him. I like the the fact that he's young. He has a lot of skill, but he's had a lot of negativity to him as well. Um, but you know, there's that whole kind of going back and forth whenever he got rid of his agent. Did he get rid of his agent to have a better look, outlook on you know getting out, or was he tired of that agent trying to get him out and he wanted to actually stay and try to fight? And I don't really know. I haven't seen anything on that, but I would almost. I'm going to go with Oxford. I'm going to go with that. Um, give Ogbonna the rest. Give him some time off. He's been playing great lately, but I think that uh, Oxford would probably play better with Diop. Yeah, I, I'm back and forth on if I'd rather Diop or Ogbonna, but when I think about it, I think that Ogbonna would do better with rest just based on his age and his, his knee injury they picked up a couple years ago. Um, mm-hmm. He's earned it, like you said. He's, he's been great, and Issa Diop's young, and, and he's got a lot to learn, so... There's also the potential that this match won't have a lot, um, a lot to worry about when it comes to defending. Uh, even in their in their the first match where they did score against us, um, that was all on Adrian, as far as I'm concerned. Even though Ogbonna didn't look great in that one, um, no, th- there was a lot to blame on on, on Adrian and Net. So um, I think you also have to you have to try and inflate Oxford's tires to to get a move if he's going to be moved away or. To get him thinking, okay, I want to stay at West Ham. So give him a start. If he's bad, get him off at half. But um, you're definitely bringing another center back on the bench, that's for sure. Mm. And at left back, Cresswell's been starting every Premier League match, seemingly. So is it Mazuaku's time to come out and do a little dancing along the sideline? <laughs> yeah, I think we put Mazuaku in. Like you said, hopefully there won't be a whole lot of defending going on. And I, th- I would hope that Mazuaku's up to the challenge of uh, a League One side. And even like you said, fighting for to get out of relegation on League One side. So let's look at the the midfield here, and we'll go with a holding midfield duo. Um, We'll say it's a 4-2-3-1. So I'll go ahead and say uh, Obiang gets the start for me. He hasn't been in the team lately, and I would give the other other spot to Declan Rice. Um, But I would have Connor Coventry on the bench and basically have him come on if they're up uh, by a goal or two just to get some more time. And with Joe Powell being gone on... uh, on loan now, it's a good time, I think, to sort of you can you don't have to choose between those two who to go in, so you can just sort of pour your your extra time into Coventry. Yeah, it, this would be a great match to get him in. Uh, say we're up towards the end of the game, get him in and get him some experience. Um, he's a great young player, a lot of potential. Uh, I'm excited to see that name more and more. But yeah, I would I would start Ogbana or not Obiang and <laughs> uh, and Rice for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I would start that for sure. Um, give Noble a rest. Maybe put him on the bench, but um, definitely Rice. Rice is just a workhorse right now. All right, I'm going to name my, my four forwards or my four attackers in this position, um, the three attacking midfielders slash wingers, and then uh, my striker. And you can tell me if you disagree, agree, or if you want to do something different here. I would mm-hmm. start Nathan Holland on the left. I would have Robert Snodgrass in the middle, and I would have Grady Diangana on the right with uh, – Zonda Silva at striker. I think you have a lot of chemistry between those front three playing in the under-23s this year. And I think if you have Snodgrass quarterbacking that, without much defensive responsibility, he can sort of drift from side to side, cross the ball in, take a shot. You know, he, he'll be taking, uh, I presume, half of the corners if they if they do come, with Diangana getting some as well. Um, he's also taking your, your free kicks um, to, to give yourself a better opportunity there. I think that that is a young and risky move but it's one that could pay off dividends for them and you essentially find out okay who do we have here and what are they going to do the other option would be to start Perez 
Lucas Perez in one of those spots, but I also believe that he may appear on the bench and you don't play someone like Andy Carroll or have him even on the bench for this one. I don't know what, what you think for that final four, but uh, let me let me know your thoughts here. No, I, I think it is risky, man. And it, it reminds me of the days of uh, Sam Allardyce, and he would just kind of put in all of his under-23s, and then we would look foolish. But I think that the, the state of our under-23s and the state of our youth is a lot better than it has been in recent years. So getting Holland out there now that he's healthy and back and – the Angana as well. And Robert Snodgrass is the perfect person to have kind of quarterback that middle and that kind of veteran-esque about him. Um, I, th- I think really the only person I might change is maybe Snodgrass for Nazari, but you don't want to wear out Nazari either. So, yeah, having Snodgrass in there, getting him some time, letting him see what he can do is, uh, yeah, I think it would be a good run. And Zonde Silva, man, I'm, I'm excited for that, hopefully for years to come. Yeah, I agree. He's exciting. He's an exciting, exciting character here. Um, we've run on a little long. This first segment's about 27 minutes, 28 minutes now. So what we will do is we'll halt the preview. Um, but first, let's get score predictions. So, um, Jeremiah, I'll let you have the uh, the first the first shot here. What do you think? What's the score going to be? I'm going to go. I'm going to go three nil. I think that Adrian's going to. I think if he does play, he's going to do a good job, a solid job, just like he did against Birmingham. And uh, yeah, I, guess, I think three nil. I think we can see Zonde Silva get on. And hopefully Diangana, and we'll go Snodgrass as well. All right, I'm going to go 4-1. I think um, the team's much more cohesive than they were before. Uh, so I'm going to give the goals to two to Zande, one to Snodgrass, one to Diangana. And I do think that uh, they're going to score maybe on a counterattack or on a uh, set-piece corner kick, something along those lines, which West Ham still have issues with. But both of us picking sure. some big wins here. Uh, all right, we'll be back with some Twitter questions. All right, part two uh, of a two-part podcast here. There's no third segment today. We did both in the first one, which turns out was long enough that we probably could have split that, but what are you going to do? Um, this section is going to be all Twitter questions. Thank you to everyone that's uh, that's reached out on Twitter. Uh, from far and wide, it's been a pretty solid response here. Um, but uh, we'll jump into the first one that we received. Uh, and this is from John O'Forwood at WTFPL101. He's uh, big in the... Um, I believe in the um, fantasy Premier League stuff. So uh, he's always looking for who's going to start at striker if they're worth a shout. I believe Scott and I both backed him starting Grady D in Ghana the week that he got sat for Snodgrass. So um, (laughs) (laughs) it shows what we know. Um, All right. So we'll start with him. Jono asks, what do you think of, what do you think Pellegrini should do with Arnie? And what would you sell? uh, And would you sell Carroll to Spurs? Um, first and foremost, we'll start with the Arnautovic one. If you had your way, you were pulling the strings, you're Pellegrini. What are you doing with Marco Arnautovic? I think until he comes out with some type of public, not even an apology, but just a public kind of, Hey, this is what happened. Um, and until you can kind of see him play or him even practice kind of again with confidence and, you know, kind of having that camaraderie with the team. I'm not going to start him. I'm a little bit old school, I guess, in that sense. But yeah, when you got all this going on and there's no, you're not coming out and saying what happened or not even, I don't even need an apology. I just want to know what the heck was going on. Um, yeah, I don't start him until that happens. Yeah, I'll even go a step further. I think um, if his time's going to be up in the summer, it's just going to be a, uh, an uncomfortable rest of the season here where he's not fully committed to us if we've already told him his, he's got his way out. 
he's just going to be biding his time and, and I'm sure he'll try to score goals but you'll see him doing a lot of his pouting on the pitch rather than you know crossing the arms you know saying this is my home pointing at the pitch when he's when he scores whatever so I, I'm just done with it all I think a lot of people share that sentiment you included um, so if there's any any move I think 40 million is enough for me to sell him even with the sell on for the profits so um, get rid of them, move them on, and basically clean your hands of that. I know that there there doesn't there isn't necessarily a striker lined up to replace him. I don't think everyone's getting excited about this guy Maxi Gomez, and then everyone else is saying, "Oh, he, well, if West Ham miss out on him now, he's going to be uh, a Barcelona striker in the summer." Well, if West Ham bought him now, anyways, and he was going to be a Barcelona striker in the middle, I'm not sure the Spanish or South American. Uh, player who's been in La Liga is going to say no to playing alongside Lionel Messi regardless of if we buy him or not first um, so I don't I don't think that we're going to be sort of in that market what we what we can do is look at a replacement in the meantime Olivier Giroud on loan Michi Batshuayi on loan that deal the Monaco or um, was it Monaco or was it uh, Sevilla either way um, wherever Batshuayi was linked to go I think it was Monaco um, it's Monaco yeah yeah he, he hasn't gone there yet no one's even talked about his name in, in recent weeks. Apparently, Everton are going to put 40 mil in for him, but it was a loan first in that in that rumor, and also they said they don't have any money to spend this window, so nobody knows what's happening, which is frustrating. Um, but if, if if West Ham can find a stopgap for him, um, get rid of him the, soon, the sooner you can. And you know, I have a I have a jersey in the basement. I have a kit in the basement that has Arnautovic on the back, number nine, that I got in September of this season. And that's disappointing, but him dragging it out to the summer and not wanting to be here isn't helpful. Um, second point, and this one is <laughs> near and dear to both of our hearts. Would you sell Andy Carroll to Spurs? What do you think? Uh, doesn't that just sound disgusting coming off your off your lips? Oh. Um, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, two mil is, uh, I think it's a solid price. I don't know. How, how legit is this? Uh, Rumor is it pretty legit? I haven't been in the Twitter scene too much in the last couple of days, so I I don't think so. X did say that, and I think Sam and Crystal both said if um, a move has been, uh, if if there's interest, they haven't made a and made it known to the board yet or to the club at all. So no one at the club has has heard from from Spurs regarding this. Uh, but mm. they're without Human Son right now. They're without Harry Kane for the next couple months, and official today they're out uh, without Deli Alley for. Uh, all of February into March. I don't know. You know, two mils, I guess, a solid number for that. But, uh, man, I would hate to see that happen. And then, you know, Andy Carroll just turns it on and is uh, dominating a Spurs kit. But I don't know. I think I'm kind of bittersweet either way. I do think that I think he's going to be gone just because he doesn't mix and, and mesh well into this Pellegrini kind of system. Um, so either we offload him now and get some money out of him or we don't sign him and then he leaves anyway. So I, I do think that he is gone in the summer, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's as good as gone. He's just not the striker Pellegrini needs. Um, but also, uh, if Spurs want him, there's always that thought like, great, he's going to go score against us. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you could get two mil for, for him, I think that's good business. Um, I also think that anyone who's linking him because Harry Kane's quote-unquote a target man and he's a replacement for that is vastly underrating what Harry Kane does for Spurs I don't like Spurs I don't like Harry Kane but you know you can acknowledge a great player when you see one he's a great player Um, 
His 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 left boot is great. He's great from range. He's good at kind of holding a play, playing that Firmino style, where he's he's encouraging his wingers and his attacking midfielders to get ahead of him. So, um, I, I think that this is just lazy journalism, probably, and uh, there's nothing to it. I would if you get two mil for him, great. If he scores a goal against us, terrific. Um, good for him. Bad for Spurs because they are paying him 90k a week. And they're going to pay him bonuses on top of that, which would shatter their 100K cap of wages for players. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. If, if we could get a good value for him, sure. For free, no. Everyone's saying they'll drive him there, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys are so funny. Uh, yeah. Okay, next one here. Uh, this one comes from Joshua J. Uh, I feel like X here. Jav Kavaman. Kavaman. J-A-H-K-A-V-A-M-A-N. Um, he says... Paris being dropped from the match day uh, 18 surely means he's out the door, right? Or is he just shite? And uh, Ironsman JP at Ironsman JP chimed in and said the latter, um, which is funny because it kind of sums <laughs> up, I think, a lot of our thoughts on him. But um, I I think he's being dangled as a plus in some, some transfer rumors. Apparently, he's if there's a deal for Maxi Gomez, he's going to be going the other way. And that just clears wages and basically provides an immediate replacement if we do get a striker in. But I, I think he's just the most expendable player for West Ham. What do you think? I think so for sure. And I'm not really sure if it is the latter or if he has on a move out. I think, you know, Pellegrini coming into the season brought him in as kind of insurance. as hey, you know, this guy has potential and this hasn't really worked out. Um, but yeah, definitely expendable. Definitely, once again, I expect to see him gone. Probably this window. Um, I know a lot of Spanish clubs would probably want him. Um, and so uh, we'll just wait and see what happens. But, yeah, I would almost probably go maybe not so much in the ladder. Maybe the fact that there's already something going on. But I don't know if there's been any rumors he's been at training or where he's been training either. Well, Noble did call him the best finisher on the team in uh, in what five-a-side or three-a-side training drills. So, yeah. Um, Maybe that's Noble trying to do his part to to pump his tires. But um, I think if he plays, he's going to get around the net. I just don't think he has – he's been on a, the luxury of playing with an Arsenal team that when they play him in League Cup, in FA Cup, in you know Europa League early rounds, when they play him, he's in, he's in a team that's so well supported with talented players that when he has to do a lot more of the work, which he does when he comes to West Ham – he doesn't look very connected. So I think it's just a, a bit of a culture shock for him. He's maybe more suited for the less physical Spanish league as well. Um, mm-hmm. But again, we'll, well, I guess we'll never know. Um, this one comes from the NoCo Irons at NoCo underscore Irons. Plain and simple, can you forgive Marco? Before we answer, uh, Denver West Ham, Scott Davis at Denver West Ham chimed in and said, it's simple for, for me, it's simple. Shut up and play. If he does that, I can forgive him. Um, we've kind of, we can maybe be a little bit quick on this one because we, uh, we kind of talked about it, but for me, Arnautovich, the deal's done. He's going to leave now or in the summer. So, um, there's nothing to forgive. There's nothing to, you know, I know he kind of took his ball and went home, but like, I don't know. It's the player we signed. He did the same thing to, to Stoke and he's going to do it to his next club probably. So, uh, I just there's nothing to forgive. I just am done with the whole story. What about you? Yeah, no. I mean, I get the whole forgive thing. I'm very big, like I said, kind of old school on the fact that you had a contract and you know, like you said, you take your ball and go home, and you're just like, I don't want to do this. If that is the case, then you know. But I agree with Scott too in what he said. 
if you just shut up and you play and get over it and play. But, you know, like we kind of both already talked about. I'm pretty sure if it's not this window, it'll be in the summer. He'll be gone. I think that Pellegrini and backroom staff and everybody are just going to have enough of it and just move on with him. Yeah, get his agent out of there too. He causes apparently more more headaches than we even know. Right. Um, okay, uh, on to the next one here. Let me pull it up. Uh, this one's from uh, Denver West Ham, Scott Davis himself. Uh, and this one is pretty simple. It is Balotelli, yes or no. Uh, simple question, but lots of ramifications. We should say that this has since been dispelled by uh, X. He came out and said that uh, the club are not going to be transferring in Balotelli, who looks like he's on his way to Marseille. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting one. Um, if the, if the deal was still on the table, would you take Balotelli and what would that signal for the rest of your transfer business? I think I would take him. And I know we talked about it kind of in the, the pre-show when we were talking about this, um, podcast and I think it would take him and, you know, take him kind of short term over the next six months or so. And, and he's not like he's going to be probably any worse than something that we already have he's definitely a big name he has a little flash about him he definitely has that kind of uh bastardly appeal i guess you want to call it but uh but yeah no i would have took him for sure and maybe on a six-month thing and see kind of what happens and go from there yeah i i agree i think that if you can get him in on uh if you can get him in on that you know on a reasonable fee because his deal is expiring i think um marseille are paying like two million pounds for him which is crazy um, but uh, he, he's going to be a guy who takes a lot of the attention for himself, probably has a hissy fit or two. But when it comes down to it, um, getting him in allows you to move Hernadovich forward. So um, I would do that just to move that forward. Um, this, uh, this question comes through you from uh, American, American West Ham podcast host uh, Tony Clark at Tony Clark Dupe. Um, D-O-O-P he says where do you stand on Alex Song interesting quotes from Big Sam this week and to bring it up here uh, here's a little snippet that uh, X put out on Twitter quote this is from uh, Sam Allardyce quote it was purely down to him that we were top four at Christmas he was majestic with the football after Christmas we plummeted because other teams worked us out they wouldn't let us have the ball end quote so basically saying through the midfield Alex Song dictated how West Ham played uh what were you? Do you have any you know memories of Alex Song and, and what he did for the team? And, and if so, how do you feel about Sam, Big Sam talking about West Ham and, and those players back on his team uh, back in the day? So I think three questions on this. I'm going to have to ask Tony what the dupe part is on the end of his Twitter <laughs> handle, number one. And uh, and then I, I want to not. I don't know what's the context, I guess, around this conversation. But yeah, I don't. I don't really remember a uh, majestic Alex Song. In the midfield, I don't know if you do. I don't necessarily. I mean, I remember running around, tucking the shorts up way up high, and uh, you know, always rocking the gloves. But that's about it. I don't know. Do you have any uh, additional memories? The the only thing I would say is that managers always see things differently from us. Um, mm-hmm. That's why you see managers sticking to players uh, when everyone else is saying drop them, drop them, drop them, move them. That's not his spot. Whatever, whatever. Um, Managers always see things differently, and managers looking back on situations also tend to view things with you know different color glasses. So um, maybe this there's truth to this. Alex Song was so impenetrable, but uh, I was listening today. I, I can't even remember where it was, but they were basically saying um, this is what's happening with uh, 
with Jorginho at Chelsea. His start to the season, he was making more passes than anybody. He was dictating play for them. He wasn't getting on the score sheet, but he was a part of their unbeaten start, uh, an integral part to that. But now teams are pressuring him in the midfield, not giving him a chance to make a pass, and he's become absolutely disheveled. So, uh, yeah, I, I think anytime a team is successful, you're going to look to their midfield. Uh, and you're going to basically see how are they transitioning the ball, how are they breaking up play, and how are they outletting play. If it was Alex Song that did that for Big Sam, terrific. I just like that he's now not just talking about all the negative stuff when he was at West Ham. He's sort of focusing <laughs> on some some good stuff because every outlet seems to want him to be a part of their program. All right. Um, all right, let's look and see if we have any more questions here. We do. I saved it for last on purpose. Uh, this is from our... Uh, Premier League brethren over at Payne and the Arsenal at Payne and TH Arsenal. They are a fan-sided site just like we are. Uh, and they uh, they asked us, why did Declan Rice have to open his Premier League account against us? Um, I simply replied with a, a gif of Ice-T dancing while eating a bowl of rice because I thought that that <laughs> happily summed it up. But, um, I, you know, it's a good question because they came out and dismantled Chelsea in the first half. Uh, this past match weekend looked great. Lacazette and Aubameyang both looked solid. Uh, Aaron Ramsey looked great. Their whole team was was working well and working hard. And that's coming off of a, a match where they didn't outplay West Ham for more than 10 minutes at a time. So um, I think Declan Rice just knows when a London Derby's on. And basically he has mm-hmm. to he has to step up and, and be the main man. What do you think? What, what are your what are your thoughts on, on Rice's performance against Arsenal? No, I, I, so I started writing a reply to him, and uh, I figured I'm not going to reply. I'm just going to say it on here, and then they'll hear it whenever they watch or listen. But uh, he's just West Ham through and through, like you said. He He's a West Ham boy, and it was a long derby, and he knew exactly what needed to be done. Now, that being said, it was a lucky bounce and a good pass to him. But it worked out well, and he put on a beautiful shot. Um, and, and kind of to go off of what you were saying, too, it's funny. I've seen numerous tweets, uh, especially after what they did to Chelsea, and even – most notably what I saw from across the pond, they're also a podcast. They put out something about how Arsenal looked like crap against West Ham and lost, and then they come back and beat Chelsea the next week. What a crazy thing this Premier League is. <laughs> and it's it's so true because, uh, I mean, the Premier League, you never know what you're going to get. And, yeah, I mean, Rice was in the right place at the right time, and what a more perfect goal. It couldn't have been more perfect. Oh, so. Leno couldn't even move. And what a perfect way to end the podcast here. Jeremiah, thank you for... Spending the afternoon here with me talking West Ham, something you and I are both happy to do. And uh, thank you to everyone listening, and we will talk to you guys next week. That's right. Come on, you irons. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.